I love it. Welcome to week number two of Sorry, Not Sorry. And hello to everyone around Orland, uh, New Linux, Homer Glenn, everybody online, everybody on Facebook Live. Glad that you're here for week number two. Uh, if you were around last weekend, we kicked the series off and Pastor Tim uh, had a fantastic message about forgiving ourselves. Uh, it's super important. We know that. Uh, but sometimes just forgiving ourselves of the things that we've done is one of the hardest things in the world to do, is just forgive ourselves. And this week builds on top of last week. So I want to just give just a bit of review, uh, some of the highlights I feel like from Tim and some of the things he said uh, last weekend to make sure we're all headed in the same direction. Uh, last week, PT said, uh, the devil keeps bringing up your past because he's intimidated by your future. I think that's good, right? Uh, the evil one keeps bringing up things you've done, things I've done to keep us down because he knows that God has great plans for our lives. And uh, we just need to live in that truth. We need to believe and embrace that. Another thing PT said last weekend, you can't change, or I'm sorry, you can't undo your past, but God can change your future. And we know that. You know what? Your past does not have to determine your future. Amen. Uh, who, who you've been does not have to determine who you are. God can and does change that. He's done that in so many of our lives. Uh, one of the scriptures last weekend was in 1 John. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Everybody say all. All, all unrighteousness. Not some, not a percentage but all unrighteousness, when you and I come to God and we say, hey, I need to be forgiven. I need my debt wiped clean. He forgives it all. I know that's sometimes so hard for us to believe that he forgives us that way for us to forgive ourselves, but he does. He forgives us from all our sin, all unrighteousness. And that was last week. This week we're building on top of that and we're going to talk about forgiving other people. How do we forgive and why? Do we forgive other people in our lives? And I want you to know that our study this weekend uh, is not one of those weeks where you can look down the row, you know, that you're setting in to your friends or your husband or your wife or your kids or whoever. You can't look down the row and say to yourself, you know what, I'm so glad you're here because this is perfect for you. This is like a divine appointment from God that you would be here when Todd's talking about this. No, 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 listen, listen. This week, I promise you, young and old, if you're in church a lot or just a little bit, this is one of those studies that we all need in our lives. So let's get going with just a couple of questions that will get us thinking. Uh, what person in your life have you forgiven the most? Who have you forgiven the most amount of times in your life? If they're sitting by you right now, don't point and, you know, hey, it's you. Uh, it's... For me, strangely enough, the way I answer that question is it's my wife. Uh, and the reason I say my wife is because we met when we were just 15. And so we've had over three decades of life together. There's been all kinds of opportunity for us to fall short and fail each other and let each other down. And I'll tell you that the only reason that Renee and I are, are still happily married today is because we decided a long, long time ago that, that we would over and 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 over and, and then over and over 
and over offer forgiveness to each other for the little things we do and for the big things we do. That's why. That's why we're still happily married as we've decided to just do that in our lives. Not always easy, but that's what we do. What about this uh, question? Who have you recently needed to forgive? Just think about that. I'm not saying that you did. I'm just saying you need to. Somebody in your life you're thinking about, yeah, Todd, you know, it comes this weekend, we're going to talk about forgiving other people. This is probably, I, I probably need to forgive them. I, I haven't. But who's betrayed you? Who's lied to you? Who's, you know, broken your trust? Maybe it's a friend for you who posted something about you online and now it's out there. You can't really do anything about it and you're upset about it. Maybe it's a boyfriend who lied to you and then ended up lying about you and it's hurtful. Some anger there needs to be some forgiveness maybe. Maybe it goes back a ways to maybe it's your dad. Maybe all you've ever really wanted to do in life is please your dad, make your dad happy, and it seems like no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to work. So you need to get some of those things right. Maybe for you, it's your spouse. When, you, when I say, who do you need to forgive? It's your husband or your wife because you love them with all your heart and every fiber of your being, and, and you gave them all of your trust. But then maybe in the last few years or even in the last few months in your life, your husband or wife has betrayed that trust. It's, it's like they've crushed your heart and you find yourself like right now in a situation in life that you never thought you would be in your marriage. Maybe for you it's some authority figure that should have protected you and should have guarded you, but instead of doing that, they took advantage of you, they broke your trust, maybe they even abused you and then had you feel like somehow it was your fault. How do we deal with people like that? Do we really need to forgive these people? And what about this? How do you forgive someone who we know is going to keep on doing things that are unforgivable? Right? It's like, Todd, if I forgive them, listen, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep doing that. I know they are. Just what they do. Do I still forgive them? Is that the way this works? Or, or what about this? What do you do when you have tried and tried and tried to forgive someone, but it just it doesn't seem to work? You can't do it. It doesn't seem to click. It doesn't happen. What do you do? It reminds me, it puts a picture in my mind when we talk about that kind of forgiveness and you're trying and trying and it doesn't work. It reminds me, and I know this is kind of strange, but just go with me on it. It reminds me of vacuuming. You ever vacuum? Some of you probably vacuum a lot. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a big vacuumer. That's a word. I don't vacuum a lot, but I go back to around the holiday season, around Christmas. We had all kinds of people coming in and out of our house and that sort of thing. So I was helping turn over a room. Some more people were coming, and I was vacuuming one of our rooms that had carpet. And so I'm going. I'm getting everything up. We have a fairly new vacuum, and so it's doing really well. And I look down, and maybe this has happened to you before. There's, there's this thing I can't get, and it's, it's a piece of paper, okay? It's maybe the size of a quarter. It's small. And I'm going at it, and it won't get it. And so what do I do? I, I, I go the other side. I come from another angle. I'm like, maybe the carpet is, you know, wrong. And so I do this. And then, no kidding, I, I, I can't, it won't come up. And so I, I kick it. And, I, you know, and then I can, I can kick it and get it. Uh, and and, it's still, and it, it doesn't come up. And, and maybe you've experienced something like this before, especially if you vacuum a lot. So here's what I did. No kidding. I set the vacuum down, and I reach down, and I pick up this little piece of paper, and I'm looking at it, 
And I'm thinking, I should be able to vacuum that. That's crazy. Look at that. And so you know what I did? I threw it back down. I turned, and I'm coming at every angle, you know. I'm like, I will do this. This will come up. Maybe you've been there. To me, a lot of times, that's what forgiveness feels like. It's like, what do you do when you have come at this from every single angle? Todd, I've tried this from every angle you can imagine, and it's still not working. How do you forgive? How do you get that in your lives? Well, in order to make some progress with forgiveness of other people in our lives, it's probably good to understand some of what forgiveness is not. I think sometimes the reason you and I have trouble forgiving is because we have misconceptions about what it really means to forgive. And so if you're taking notes before we dive into uh, the Bible today in our study, here's some things that forgiveness really isn't. Forgiveness isn't always forgetting. It doesn't just mean when you forgive someone that you automatically have amnesia about the out-of-bounds things that they did. And you can just say, you know what, I've just forgotten about it, it was wrong, you can... It's out of my mind. I've completely forgotten it. You can just keep treating me like a doormat. You can just keep abusing me, walking on me. It's not that you just forget all of those things. It's not that you just put on a smile and go, yeah, okay, I can take it. You don't have to keep sending them a Christmas card, okay? Every time they post something on Instagram, you do not have to put a little heart emoji beside it, okay? I love you. I like you. We're friends, right? No. When you forgive someone... When you forgive someone, it's like you're saying to them, or you say to yourself or others, you know, here's, here's the thing. Whatever you said, whatever you did, I've let it go. I, I, I've let it go. I, I have. I've let it go. Remember, I let it go. Last weekend, I thought Tim was going to sing that song. Praise God he didn't. Uh, but let it go, let it go. You, you just, I let it go. But just because I let it go does not mean that we're all of a sudden best friends again or we're just right back where we were. We're going to have to put some things in place, some boundaries, in order for us to do some work to get back to where we were a few months or years ago. I forgive you. But we're going to have to do some things to get back to where we were. Forgiveness isn't always just completely forgetting what happened. Another thing, forgiveness isn't always fair. This is one of the biggest pushbacks I always get when we're talking about forgiveness or I'm meeting and having coffee or a meal with one of you and we start talking about forgiveness and forgiving others, there's, there's almost immediately, it's okay, Todd, I, I get it, you know, forgiveness, good, fantastic, but here's the thing. If you knew what they did, okay, Mr. Preacher, okay, <laughs> listen, you wouldn't just be standing up there saying that because what they did was wrong. What they did wasn't fair. It, it, was, it was out of bounds. It was not right. And you know what I would say to that? You're right. You're right. I don't know exactly what they did. And, and I know it doesn't seem fair, hardly ever, to just forgive someone. But forgiveness is not about fairness. If you and I wait for everything in our lives to be fair in order to forgive, we will never forgive. It's just true. Young or old, no matter who you are go to church a lot or never really go to church much at all, if you wait for everything to be fair to forgive someone, you'll probably never forgive them. Because fairness and forgiveness don't really travel together. There's nothing about really fairness that is associated with forgiveness. That's why it's so hard sometimes. So the question is, why in the world, why do we, what, what, why do we do this? Why do we need to do this? Why are we called to do this? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if you have a Bible today, I want to ask you to open up to Matthew chapter 18. 
If you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet, however it is you find something in the Bible, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to study uh, for the whole time uh, that we're together today. And in Matthew chapter 18, let me tell you what's going on. There's a few people here. There is Jesus, and he's getting ready to talk to a group of people. And there's also a guy named Peter. And last week, Pastor Tim talked some about Peter and how Peter needed to forgive himself. Peter had done some things in his life that he needed forgiveness for. And so that was a lot of the message last weekend of just learning to forgive himself. This week, we're building on that. But Peter doesn't, he's not looking at how he can forgive uh, himself. He's looking at how he forgives other people. How does he offer forgiveness to other people in his life? What does that really look like? So let's jump in. Matthew chapter 18. Here's what Peter says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, pause there. In the first century, there is this teaching that's floating around. There's a mantra. There's this rabbinical teaching. So these rabbis who are church leaders, some people are coming to some of these rabbis saying, how much should we forgive people? Because this is something a lot of people want to know. And there's this, there's this mantra going around between some of these rabbis, and a lot of people had grabbed onto it, saying, you need to forgive someone three times. That's what was floating around as wisdom in the first century. Forgive someone three times. If they don't do it, by the fourth time, you can say, forget about it, you know, move on, leave them to their own, you know, retaliate, whatever. But three times you have to do that. And so what Peter's doing, understand, in this first century, what Peter is essentially doing is he's doubling that and then adding one to it. So essentially Peter's saying, I know, you know, it's kind of floating around that we need to do it three times, but what if I did it, you know, hello, like seven times? You know, I mean, that's pretty good, right? I mean, I'm a pretty major forgiver, you know. So would, would that be good? Would that, would that suffice? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, how about not, I know the whole three thing floating around and seven sounds good, but how about 70 times seven? How about like hundreds of times? How about like 400, 500 times? Why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say, you know, not just a few times, not just a handful, but you have to forgive people. You should forgive people hundreds of times. What is that about? Why would we do that? I'm so glad that what Jesus does next is he explains exactly why. Here's why, Peter. Here's why for those of us today, you should be willing to extend forgiveness to people over and over. Here's why. Jesus tells this story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the settlement As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So Jesus begins telling this story. And in this story, you have a king and you have a servant. And the king is wanting to get back some of his debt. He's wanting to pull some of that back in. So he goes out and he finds this servant who owes him a big sum of money. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. He, this guy owes him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent, one single talent, is a lot of money. That's a lot. Uh, picture it this way. In the Bible, sometimes we talk about these regions of like Judea or Samaria. If you read the Bible much, these are some areas that people lived in. There's tens of thousands of people in Judea and Samaria. All of the taxes in this first century, all of the taxes for all of Judea, 
and all of Samaria that would go to Rome in a year, a whole year's worth of taxes, was the equivalent of about 600 talents. 600 talents for all of the taxes for all these people. This servant doesn't owe 600. He owes 10,000 talents. So essentially what Jesus is doing is he's taking basically the highest number you can think of and adding a bunch of zeros to it. He's saying this person owes like the equivalent of the national debt. Okay, it's millions and billions of dollars. And the point is, there's no way he is ever going to repay this. It's just not going to happen. So he's going to have to be sold, his wife, his kids, everything he has to repay these debts. And I know that seems harsh. But in Jesus' day, selling somebody imprisonment or slavery for repaying a debt, for debt forgiveness, was a common thing. This would not have been a shock or a surprise to Jesus' listeners. Because all of Jesus' listeners understood the principle when it comes to debt. It's the very same principle that you and I know. It was from centuries ago, but we still know the principle today. Whenever it comes to a debt, here's the principle that we all agree with. You owe, you pay. It's just the way it was. This guy owed this mountain of debt, so he had to figure out how to pay it. For you and me, you owe on your mortgage at your house, so you got to figure out how to pay it. You owe on your car payment. You owe, you pay. If you have student loans, college loans, you owe, you pay. It's just the way it goes. It's the principle of debt. You owe it, you pay it. And then here's what happens with the servant. The servant then fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. I think when this happens, when Jesus says this, and I think all the listeners, you know, just kind of have to laugh because they're going, okay, time out. He's never going to do that, right? Remember the size of the debt. It's like millions and billions of dollars. There's no stinking way he's going to repay this debt. It's crazy. And what happens? Then the servant's master, the king, took pity on him, and he canceled the debt And he let him go. Wow. So here's this guy who has this debt he can never repay. And the king cancels the debt. And then not only cancels, it says, you can go. You don't have to work for me or be enslaved or whatever. You you can just, you can go, you can go free. And the king does something absolutely unbelievable. He does something that's never been seen before. He ushers in a whole new system of of debt management or debt forgiveness. He has this whole new principle, and the king essentially says this, you owe, but I'll pay. I know you owe this, but I'm going to pay it. Your debt is like the equivalent of the national debt, but I will pay your unpayable debt. I'll suffer the loss. I'll pay the debt so you can go free. You owe, I'll pay pay. And for just a moment today, here's what I want to ask you to do. Put yourself in this guy's shoes. I know we have all kinds of things going on this week and it's a busy week, but just for, for just a few moments, I just put yourself in his shoes. Think about this story that we're studying today and imagine that he has just been freed up for millions and millions of dollars, been given his family back. He's got to feel so good. Imagine today, if, if I could just stand here and say to you, you know what? When you walk out of here today, I'm forgiving, cleaning all your debt, all your house, your cars, your student loans, your cell phones. It's all wiped out. You have no more debt. And besides that, I'm going to put like four or five million dollars into your savings account. So whenever you get any other debt, it's going to be forgiven and free. You are debt free. It's all been forgiven. If I could do that for you right now, you you would be like, what? 
I love you. You know, right? You say, I love you, Todd. I, this is amazing. Thank you so much. That's what's happening. With this guy, he's got his life back. And I can just imagine him, you know, walking down the street. And you can just see him. he's got to have a huge smile, like, pasted on his face. You know, if you're like, why is he smiling? He's like, okay, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, here's, here's what happened. And, and you know, it's, and he's got to, I'm sure he's whistling. There's no doubt you're whistling if, if this has happened. You know, he's just walking down the street and he's whistling. He's, he's, he's on cloud nine. And then check out what happens. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii, check this out, a hundred denarii right here is about this much, about two to three dollars, okay? So that's what he's owed. He's owed about two or three dollars. If I can get the pin to stay in there, that would be fantastic. There we go. He's owed two or three dollars. And what he does is he goes out and he finds this guy and he grabs him. And he began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. But when his fellow servant did it, saw that he fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. So again, picture this guy. Keep your mind in this story. He's been forgiven millions and millions of dollars. He goes out. He's walking down the street, and he sees a friend of his. He sees a buddy who owes him just 2 or $3, a few bucks. And instead of going up to that friend and saying, hey, oh, hey, how are you? You know, hey, uh, remember like last week when, when we were at the Starbucks in Jerusalem and, you know, that you, I, you didn't have the money and so I, I like 2 or $3 for your latte and that sort of thing. Remember when I did? Oh, yeah, okay. Here's the here's thing. Listen, forget it. Forget it. Forget about it. I'm covering that. Don't worry about it. Instead of doing that, he goes up to the guy, he sees him, he grabs him, and he begins to choke him. Can you imagine what Jesus' listeners, they must have been shocked. This guy has just been forgiven millions and millions of dollars, and he can't forgive this guy just a couple of bucks. This doesn't make sense. What in the world is going on? And then Jesus continues the story and begins to wrap it up. He says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In his anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And I think, again, when he says that, I think all of Jesus' listeners are going, that's right. That's what you do. I mean, somebody's, you know, he's been forgiven all this money. That is ridiculous, by the way. He owes somebody a couple, they owe him a couple bucks and he can't forgive it. This guy needs to be tortured. He should definitely be in jail. That, that is exactly right. I mean, preach, right? That's, that's, what, that, that's what everybody's thinking. And then Jesus says one last thing. Shares one last little thought. Oh, by the way, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And so he kind of turns the table, right? And I think it's probably quiet for a while. <clears throat> In Parkview, there's something that, that you need to know uh, about me. And that is that I personally 
have a debt load with God that I could never repay. Believe me, I do. And my guess is it's probably the same for you. But what happened one day in my life is that God, our King, came to me and said, Todd, here's all of your things, here's all of your sins, here's all of the way that you have lived, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's the thing. The king came to me and said this. He said, you owe, Todd, but I'll, I'll pay. And the king also, by the way, has come to every one of you and reached out to you and said, you owe this mountain of debt, but I'll pay. And some of you have actually accepted that into your life. You've accepted Jesus into your life and, and you've received his forgiveness, though sometimes it's hard to accept. You have done your best to do that. There's others of you this weekend that no doubt are still grappling with that idea that, that you owe, but yet he would pay. But that's what has happened. Our king, God, through his son Jesus, has paid our unpayable debt. Amen? He has. He suffered the loss for our sake. And what I want us to realize today is this study that we have been in for the last 20 or 22 minutes is not just a story about a king and a servant in some faraway land. This is actually the story of you and of me and of God. It's our story. And I believe the principle that Jesus would want us to know and melt into our lives from Matthew chapter 18, what he would want us to begin to live out is simply this, that forgiveness doesn't just flow to us, it must flow through us. It doesn't just flow to us in our lives, it must flow through us and out to other people in our lives. That's the way this should work. So the question is, how's, how's your flow? How is your flow of forgiveness to other people around you? In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, we've been studying in Matthew chapter 18 today, but in Matthew chapter 6, so just a little bit earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus himself says this. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And again, the whole notion and idea of this, this principle, is that forgiveness not only flows to us, but it must flow through us to other people. Last weekend, again, we talked about how God's forgiveness flows to us, that you and I, it's so hard to believe sometimes, but you and I are forgiven. God has given forgiveness to us. But as he does that, we are also called to let that forgiveness flow out to other people in our lives. It flows to us, and then it must flow through us. And Parkview, listen, more than anything, my prayer for us around here is that we would be a people, we would be a community on all of our campuses that doesn't just come into church on a weekend and sing some songs and check off the box and say we went to church. But my prayer is that we would truly be a community of people that comes to understand and experience the presence and the power of God in our lives. His Holy Spirit in our lives. And on a weekend like this, when we're talking about and grappling with something difficult, like forgiving ourselves and forgiving other people, my prayer is that we would be able to experience the freedom 
and the forgiveness of God in our lives and also for the lives of others around us. And that's why today, here's what I want to do. I want to pull this together and I want to wrap up our time of study by sharing a true story with you. The story is a true story. And by sharing this story, I want you to know that I, I am not diminishing the horrific events that took place where this story happened. And also by sharing this story with you, I'm not trying to suggest that forgiveness of other people is easy. Because it's not. And I know there's some of you right now, and the whole time I've been talking, you've been talking to me in your head because you have some people to forgive. You have some things that are just so much betrayal that it's hard for you even to think about extending forgiveness. And I understand that it is not easy. I'm not saying that it is, but it is important for us to continue to step towards that in our lives. So I want to share this story. It's, I've carried it along with me for many, many years. It's one of the greatest stories that I know of forgiving other people. It's the story of Corey Tinboom. I'm not sure if you know who she is. But her family resisted the Nazis by hiding Jewish people in their homes, in their home during World War II. And they were ultimately discovered and sent to concentration camps. And Corey barely survived until the end of the war. Uh, all of her family members died there in captivity. And through all of this horrific experience, Corey's faith in God actually survived. She spent a whole lot of her time in the post-war years traveling across Germany and all of Europe, sharing her faith in Jesus. On one occasion in 1947, she was speaking at a church in Munich, and she noticed a balding man in a gray overcoat in the very back of the room. She'd been speaking on the subject of God's forgiveness, but her heart froze that day. She recognized the man in the back of the room because she had seen him so many times before in his blue Nazi uniform. He was one of the cruelest of the cruel guards at the Ravensbrück camp where her own sister had been killed. And there he was, at the end of the talk, walking up the center aisle towards her with his hand extended out. Thank you for the fine message, he said. How wonderful it is to know that all of our sins are buried at the bottom of the sea. Yes, Corey had said that in her message. She had spoken so freely about God's forgiveness, but here was the man that she despised with every fiber of her being. She could not take his hand. She could not extend forgiveness to this oppressor. And she realized this man doesn't even recognize me. And how could he among the thousands of prisoners? You mentioned Ravensbrook, he said, with his hand still extended to her. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's true. But since then, Corey, I've come to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's been very hard for me to forgive myself from all of the cruel things that I did, but I know that God has forgiven me. And I came forward today to ask if you would please, could I hear it from your lips that I'm forgiven? Corey recorded her response in her book. She says, I stood there. 
I whose sins had again and again been forgiven by God, yet I could not forgive this man. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there with his hand extended to me, but it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do, but I had to do it. I knew it. It was as simple and as horrible as that. I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart, and eventually, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the hand that was stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current, it started in my shoulder, and then it raced down my arm, and it rested in our joined hands. And then hear this, Parkview. And then God's healing warmth flooded through my whole being, and it brought tears to my eyes, and I cried out, I forgive you, brother with all of my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known God's love so intensely as I did on that day. Friends, listen. Again, God's forgiveness, there's no doubt it flows to us but it is also meant to flow through us to other people. And, and the question a lot of times, listen, don't, don't, don't miss this. The question a lot of times when it comes to forgiving other people, the question is not how much forgiveness do they deserve? The question so many times is how much healing and freedom do I want in my life for forgiving them and releasing this from me? So today I want us to just spend a little bit of time before we go out into a new week thinking about this idea of receiving and offering forgiveness. I'm going to have the band come and sing an incredible song. And as I do, I want to ask you to just think about this mental picture. Who, as you listen to this song, whose hand is extended to you? Is there a hand offering or needing forgiveness today? Maybe the hand that's extended to you is the hand of Jesus. Maybe for a long time, Jesus has been saying, listen, listen, if you'll just take my hand, I have died for you. I have forgiven you. Accept me into your life. Grab my hand and I'll clear you of all unrighteousness. Give your life to me. Be baptized into me and begin to live for me. Take my hand. Some of you need to take the hand of Jesus today. You need to come to the altar and receive his forgiveness in your life. And sing that and pray that out today. Others of you, you've accepted the hand of Jesus and there's another hand. I don't even know who it is. It may be somebody who's done something huge, monumental, or it may be somebody who's done something just really small, but you just keep thinking about it and it keeps messing you up. Their hand is extended, and you know you need to offer forgiveness to them. Whose hand is reached out to you today? And how can you and I receive and also begin to offer forgiveness to others? That's what I want us to think about. As we listen to this song, maybe you want to sing this song, maybe you want to raise your hands or stand, whatever you want to do, let's receive this song and think about this idea of extending forgiveness. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today and the moments that we get to spend on a weekend like this and a section of scripture that really is so applicable to our lives. God, I just, I certainly feel like 
we're open to you right now, that you've got us where you want us thinking about this. And so, God, I pray that as we sing this song, that, God, we would, we would reach out and accept your hand if we need to. Or, God, that we would extend the forgiveness to others who we know we need to offer it to. Lord, we come to this altar. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.